On today's Friday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, we hear from Brandon K. Scott. Of course, got to dive and digest into his thoughts with Lovey Smith and Nick Casario. And we'll bring it back to YouTube comments, see what y'all can talk about in them streets, man. But first, <laughs> Cody, you know what to do. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Friday edition of the Locked On Texas Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, and this week, Tuesday through Friday. <laughs> Uh, but we are back with another episode. Super excited to kind of end off the week on a positive note. Speaking of Brandon K. Scott, our boy over at 16 Sports Radio. And we're going to kick off the show with our YouTube comments. And had a very good back and forth in the comments section. My man, Derek Gray, he wanted to come in and say, Stop it. Davis Mills isn't it. Not for Houston. <laughs> and I hate he wears number 10. <laughs> He needs to wear number eight. That's who he is, David Carr. Not the drafted David Carr. I'm talking footsteps Carr. The Jameis Winston I'm not fond of either. But I, as a fan, compromise due to what Pep has done for QBs. And so that was from Derek Gray. Backdoor got a comment from one low GMC. GMC says, what makes you so sure Mills isn't the guy? All caps, question mark. I'm not saying he's going to be Brady Manning. What are you basing your conclusion off of? Dude has literally started 11 games behind a terrible O-line. And let's be honest, subpar receivers besides Cooks. Not to mention the terrible coaching staff. You know, I, I want to give a round of applause. <laughs> My boy, GMC. One low GMC, that's all we saying, man. Why can't Davis Mills get an opportunity with talent, with better protection, with a more uh, a competent coaching staff and a more uh, put-together shaped roster? Why is everybody so quick to write off Davis Mills? I don't understand it. I think people need to slow down on that and, and at least, at the very least, give this young man another year. You don't like what you see, then yeah, you can throw your name in the hat for the CJ Strouds or the Bryce Youngs that are coming out for the 2023 draft, or maybe there's a uh, an NFL quarterback free agency that will come out next year that would fit what Houston wants to do. But you know, I'm I'm kind of tired of you guys that are so quick to write off Davis Mills only because he may still be hurt and sad that number four. Didn't want to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's one <laughs> look. It's that plus you got to take it to consideration that this was a franchise that looked like what after what was it 16, 17 years they finally had an opportunity to get one of the dynamic quarterbacks, especially when you look in the past and see all of the great teams that this organization had, and it was missing that one thing, and that one thing was a quarterback, but. You know, it's the rally of the situation now. But what I would say to that comment, I'm not going to lie. As a guy who loved DeAndre Hopkins, 
I do wish that Davis Mills do change his jersey number. I I I have what? to agree with him on that. What? He can get any number he want, but ten. No, no. I, I just think he got a chance. I understand that he's been wearing 10 his entire career, but it's just another reminder of why we are in this situation to begin with. Because the real number 10 should still be catching balls here in the city of Houston. I, uh... <laughs> have By the way, ladies seen... and gentlemen, but people ever... watching on YouTube... John had a thought that he can't say. That's why he I, looked at me and had that ball. Oh, my goodness. So, have you ever seen that movie with Tom Cruise where the Pirates took over? Mm-hmm. And in that movie... Captain Phillips, I think it's called. He says, I'm, I'm the, the captain ca- Look now. at me. I'm the captain now. Davis Mills with number 10. I'm number 10 now. And that's all that matters is what's going on right now. I don't care about no damn number. He's here. He wants to play for the Texans. And that's all that matters. <laughs> Louis T., he said, I think we all can agree the Texans are not solid at any given position. And I do agree with that. I think that mm-hmm. there's no position on this team where you can definitively say that is the Houston Texans' best group. Granted, some positions may mean more to us personally. I believe Texans need to start in the trenches, establish some solidarity there first so that they can get more accurate a more accurate evaluation at skill positions. Can't really see what you have if trenches aren't solid, in my opinion. You know, threw up the H-Town emoji. That's what I call it. And I 100% agree with you, Louis T. Uh, I think for Houston, the trenches are very important. They haven't been good in the trenches in several years. And I think for, for – and I think that's on both sides of the ball, right? Hmm. Uh, but specifically offensively, I think that's when we look at the offensive side of the ball – that is where majority of the issues come at. Weak offensive line, even weaker running back group, a subpar underwhelming wide receiver group aside of Brandon Cooks. And then we, we just talked about literally with Brandon Cooks, not Brandon Cooks, but uh, Davis Mills, their quarterback, right? So offensively, they do need to get better in the trenches. Establish some guys that are nasty, that can move some people out the way, that aren't scared to get dirty. Help that run game so we can start getting guys to be able to carry between 4.3 to 4.6 yards per carry, establishing dominance on their first and second down. So third down is a little bit easier uh, to win on. So I I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. This time of year, I know a lot of people have pretty much given up on all of their New Year's resolutions, but not this year for me. Uh, But hitting the gym, working out, man, getting it in, putting some boxing workouts in my my workout regimens, ah, 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 good from the shoulders. But I'm sticking to my resolution of eating right. Thanks to Bill Barr, it almost feels like it's not a resolution. It has truly become a part of my everyday planning and lifestyle. All Bill Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Even the new Puffs Bill Bar, those Puff Bill Bar, the first ever protein-infused marshmallow bar. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. As my dad always say, don't cheat yourself, treat yourself. And that is also covered in 100% real chocolate. You got the mint brownie, got your coconut, got your coconut almond, and the white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to build.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at build.com. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. It's Friday, and you know we got our guy, Mr. Brandon K. Scott from Sports Radio 610. Brandon, what's going on, my man? 
Living good, man. Good to be back with you <laughs> fellas, man. How y'all been? Been busy, but yeah. we still yeah. kicking it, still covering the Houston Texans, although it is the offseason. I think everybody is a little bit more, if not a lot more excited, given all the possibilities on how the Houston Texans can revamp this roster ahead of the 2022 season. Brandon, even though we were not in Indianapolis over the over the last couple of days, I'm pretty sure you, like myself and John, we kept up with everything Nick Casario and Lovey Smith had to say at the NFL Combine. What are some of the takeaways that you got from both of those guys? I thought really just the focus on the upgrading the running back position. I think that both Nick Casario and Lovey Smith were pretty transparent about the need to upgrade there. Lovey Smith more so. I think I think Lovey's just been a little bit more direct in in his critique uh, of everything. You know, Nick does a pretty good job of talking around an issue, whereas I think Lovey does a good job of speaking to something more directly. And and he said flat out that. You know, at the running back position, like like most positions, I think he said uh, we didn't get enough production there. And I mean, that, that goes without saying. I mean, it was the least efficient run game uh, by some metrics, the worst run game that the franchise has ever had. Uh, least efficient run game in the league back to back years. Um, and so and that's that's in no small part because of the running back position. In addition to the offensive line, uh, in addition to how everybody else blocks up front. And so, but it starts, it does start though with getting some talent at running back. Like we even saw last year, y'all remember early in the season when Mark Ingram was still around, that Mark Ingram, while, you know, older, was talented enough, had enough ability to make something out of what was essentially nothing that he was being given from the offensive line, whereas other backs struggled to do that. Like you need a guy like that in addition to rebuilding your offensive line and I was just glad to see them really kind of speak to that. We had heard Danny Baird talk about that a couple of weeks ago, talking about needing a home run hitter. Um, running back is a really big focus for me uh, when I think about the offense because I just know that this is going to be, you know, uh, uh, well, at least I envision it being a power running team that, you know, is, is going to need a feature back. And the and quite frankly, the Texans just haven't had that in count them five, six, six years or so, whatever it's been since Arian Foster got hurt. So, uh, so that's a big focus for me, obviously. Uh, and I know you guys discuss, everybody's discussed the needed tight end that's been spoken to. Uh, those are some of the things that stood out to me. Now, I know the headlines were whatever he had to say about Deshaun Watson or the Brian Flores lawsuit or whatever was going on on the headsets and all of that. I was a little bit less concerned with that because we kind of, we kind of talked that to death, I, I think, but. Like these are some of the things, you know, talking about the positions that they can actually address in the draft uh, that are worthwhile for the team. I think when we look at last week uh, or this week when Nick Casario and Lovey Smith, in terms of what we heard from them in a press conference, uh, one thing that I liked was there were moments where when they didn't speak at the same time, they were on the same page, like the running backs, like the tight end, and like uh, bringing back a Malik Collins. How do you feel about the relationship between the two? moving forward compared to what we got, not even comparing last year, just what we have in the city with Nick Casario and Levy Smith and how that'll work out in the coming months. Well, I do think that the comparison is worthwhile because it is a, it's a different dynamic that, and I think it's a, it's a better one or, or at least one that you can feel better about if you root for the Texans, because 
you know, I said this, you know, when Lovey Smith got hired, that he brings credibility, adds credibility to the establishment as, you know, one of the clear defined leaders in within the organization. And so, um, and so I, I think that him bringing that credibility sort of shapes and informs what the relationship is, you know, it can, it, it has to, there is a standard there, you know, when, when Lovey Smith said, you know, when you hear Lovey Smith's hiring the coaches, you know, he's bringing in George Warhop and guys that he and Pep Hamilton have <clears throat> relationship. It was important for him to have Pep Hamilton as the offensive coordinator and, and so on and so forth for them to, 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 to build the staff sort of in their image, you know, um, or the way that they saw fit with, with, you know, obviously Lovey leading the defense still and Pep leading the offense. And so, uh, and so you, and so you see that and, um, and, and it shows you, and I, I think that it's a little bit overplayed of how much of a control freak Nick Casario actually is. Like, I, I think that there's something there, you know, um, as far as like the obvious signs of, of my micromanaging and want to, wanting to be involved from being on the headsets to being on the practice field, uh, throwing passes with the, you know, with the receivers and like, he's, he's very much involved and, and you can you can see from him that like he views himself as like a football person he said that actually that he views himself as a football person uh kind of like a he's been a coach a scout pretty much done all of those different things uh from his time in new england so you know i never really had much of a problem with his like sort of his involvement like i just thought that the issue was more so about like how the what the power structure was, how the power dynamic worked. And, and I don't think it's as much of an issue here because you have a clearly defined leader in Lovey Smith who doesn't need any handholding. Right. And I think Nick Casario is at least smart enough to know that. And I don't get I don't get a, a sense of an ego from Nick, from Nick that he's a, a above conceding that, that I don't I don't have to hold this guy's hand. This is Lovey Smith. He knows what he's doing. And, you know, I, I do want to before I give it over to Cody, the connecting between that holding hands, not holding hands, respect to to know that Lovey Smith, as you just put it, he knows what he's doing. Uh, last week, Lovey Smith was asking about the headset from, you know, Lovey, not Lovey, but uh, Nick Cassero going on the headset. And I took away that he doesn't expect for him to do that this year. Then Nick Cassero was asked about it, and, you know, he downplayed it a little bit, did mention that he would do everything possible to help this team out, but that wasn't, something where he definitively said, yeah, I'll be back. I, for me, it came off as, yeah, I trust this guy to do what he needs to do on Sundays or whenever the Texans play. And I can take a step back. As to last year, we know that wasn't the case. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's what I mean, like, where I say it doesn't seem like there's an ego thing with Nick where he feels like, hey, I got to be on the headset or I got to be the analytic guy. Like, I think the overall point there is that that there needs to be somebody around that's doing the things whatever it is that nick thought he was doing or was actually doing whatever his utility was on the headset that they have somebody that does that and, and you know it just so happens that he views himself as somebody who's among those people and, and felt comfortable doing that if if lovey's got somebody else in mind that is like they're like think about it when when david cully talked about that it's not like Nick was the only person. He talked about a couple of scouts. Y'all forgive out here. Uh, Y'all can hear the sirens out here. I cannot control the elements. So, uh, but yeah, like it, it, he talked about not just having Nick, but there were a couple of scouts that he named on there. Like 
Like there, there's a job to be done to to help Lovey Smith on the headsets anyway. It just doesn't necessarily have to be his boss. You know, it it just has to be somebody. And I think that I think that's just something that they figured out. And and like I said, I don't think Nick is a is above kind of just allowing somebody else to do that as long as they agree on whoever that person is. Hmm. Brandon, last question before moving on. Um, both Nick Casario and Lovey Smith was asked about the possibility of Davis Mills continuing being the starter for the Houston Texans for this upcoming season. Um, both of them gave some really good answers, and Lovey Smith even went as far as to say that, you know, starters, the starting job isn't won at this part of the year, but he did went on to to say that how excited he was about the development that he was able to to see in Davis Mills ever since he came to the organization last year so brandon really quick before moving on what are your thoughts about davis mills especially with your co-host or 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 should i say say? ron the show hughley (laughs) starting some kind of beef in those what you like to call it john the the texas twitter streets about whether or not the texans should move forward with davis mills and and let me just say here on Locked On Texans, both John and I, we are on the Davis Mills train at least for 2022. Well, first of all, I think that uh, Lovey Smith would make a hell of a politician because <laughs> he's doing a pretty good job of, of hedging his bets in terms of like talking up Davis Mills as someone who is likely going to be the guy, but more more importantly, can be the guy but also kind of leaving the door open just in case they do want to explore the options or whether that's bringing in comp- competition or just flat out up- up- upgrading somehow. And I, I don't have a, a vision for that, uh, an exact path for how they would exactly do that, but just saying that they seem to at least be leaving the door open for whatever possibilities. And I think that that's reasonable. Like Davis Mills for somebody who, I'm just going to say it for somebody who is as average as Davis Mills is. It is hilarious to me how much uh, like how much emotion he's been able to 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 get out of people like like he he is. I and and I think that's okay. Like it's it's okay to bring back a rookie who was I, you know, and, and maybe he can be maybe he can be a lot better. Maybe this is about around about as good as he's going to get. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not pretending to have the book written or to know exactly what Davis Mills' ceiling is. It, I, I can tell you just from, like, based off of what I've watched, it doesn't seem like I, like I don't see elite. I don't see anything that has me suggest that this guy's going to be like a high-level, you know, high-end quarterback in the NFL or anything. But I also don't think that that's exactly necessary or or that that necessarily has to be the standard with Davis Mills. Like if he's a bridge quarterback, if he's a project quarterback, if he's, you know, a developmental. I think I think all of those things are OK and, and, it's, and it's worth exploring and see what it turns into. And I think at the very least, what he showed you already is that he can play in the league. Like, is he a starter? Is he is he, you know, a career backup? You know, like what exactly is it? We don't know. But. I think at the very least you saw that he can play in the league and it's worth obviously bringing back a quarterback who can play, you know? And so, and so you just kind of go from there. And, and if you have, I've always said like when it comes to what they do in this draft, I, I don't know if there's a quarterback in this draft that's better than Davis Mills or if Davis Mills is actually the best quarter would have been the best quarterback or the top quarterback in this draft class. But 
I would like for the Texans to, at the very least, just to stay true to their evaluation, whatever that is. And if they think one of these quarterbacks is better than Davis Mills, whether you agree or I agree or not, like, go ahead and do it. Like, stay true to it. Go ahead and go get that guy, you know. But if you don't, then there's no there's no need to, like, even to, to even trifle with it. And it doesn't have to be like a super lightning rod topic because you at least had this guy on your team. So I think I think with show what what show is doing is kind of like he he's fanning the flames and like playing it up like this is radio this is entertainment right so that's part of what this is like he he saw that there was something that was going to get people to emote and to react and he's clinging to it but his stance ultimately is this guy is not an elite talent is not an elite quarterback he's just I which on on the face of it I agree with the next point, the next logical step that he takes there is, therefore, since he's not an elite talent, <laughs> then he's not worthwhile at all. And you should just shelve him and just forget about him and kind of like not cut him, obviously, but just move on and just be pursuing your guy. And I get that. Like, I understand where he's coming from with that. But I think there's some nuance there that says while you do that, while you stay true to your evaluation and look for your franchise quarterback with Davis Mills on your team, you still got Davis Mills on your team and you could probably do worse than that. Um, and, 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 you know, that's a good sign when you, when you talk about, uh, you know, talent evaluation and uh, getting, getting value for your, for your, for your assets, your draft picks, you, you spend a third round pick on a, on a quarterback who can at least play for you. Then you did pretty good. So, so yeah, I, I actually get where show is coming from from a, a number of ways, both his perspective and the strategy to fan the flames. So, uh, and and consider the 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 flames fan for sure because uh, that got a lot of people talking. Football season may be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all of the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net. Is the number one spot for all of your bets needs, for all your sporting betting needs. Bet online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all of the latest trends and action. Because Bet online is where the game starts. Welcome back, Locked On listeners out there. Thank you for making the Locked On Texans your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Texans on YouTube and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. K. Scott, you know, I just dropped the branding off, man. I think K. Scott is just so damn cool. But got Brandon K. Scott here with us. <laughs> and uh, we're talking about Nick Asirio and Lovey Smith in terms of what they want to do for this team. Um the free agency is around the corner, and is there a player that you really want Houston to bring back uh, on this roster? Oh, bring back. Oh, I was going to – I thought back. you were going to ask me. Yeah, okay. Bring back. So I think there are – so I think there are three that stand out, right? Or, And I ask you this to give you some context because we're doing our player profiles – here on Locked On Texas, the players who should be brought back and who you okay with leaving. And so uh, that's yeah, why I kind of want to get your insight. Yeah, no, and I was just I was just having this discussion where, like, obviously Justin Reed is kind of the, the marquee free agent out there. 
I would actually be okay with them not bringing Justin Reed back for the amount of money that mm. I think he could command. Um, mm. And and that is in part, honestly, because, and I don't want to go too much of a rabbit hole here, but that's important, honestly, because I like Kyle Hamilton most out of the, out of the, the, the prospects in this draft that could be available at number three. Now I understand that Kyle Hamilton might be wasted uh, in, in a system like this, um, but I just think that he's just such a, potentially if he's the player that I think he is uh, would be such a game changer that I would much rather like, I'm just much more enamored with the idea of having the number three pick and Kyle Hamilton possibly being there uh, as opposed to signing Justin Reed for what, what do you guys think he'd probably command like about 12, something like 12 million a year or something like that. Yeah. We've talked about that. He's in that tier two range. So I think between 12 to 13 uh, for Justin Reed. Yeah, and, and I love I like I love Justin Reed. Like I think he's a good player, great dude to have around. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back. But you know, like you look at like for me, there's you think about Justin Reed, Kamu Grugia Hill. There's the Desmond King question, okay, which I think is a relevant one. Um, and then there's uh, obviously there's Justin Britt. What do you do at center? Are you drafting a guy, or are you bringing him back? Um, and who I'm, I'm forgetting. And then Christian Kirksey is another one. So those are, oh, and Malik Collins. I'm sorry. And Malik Collins. So there's a handful. There is a handful that I, that I think about if I had to pick one out of all of them, it would be the one that I almost forgot just now Malik Collins. Uh, because I just think out of all of them, he's just flat out the best, the best player at his position. I, you know, I just saw all the ones that we're talking about. Um, especially for his value, for, for what I think you could get for him. Like, you could make the argument that maybe Justin Reed is just as good of a safety as Malik Collins is of a defensive lineman. Like, I think you can make that argument. But for what I think you could get Malik Collins for versus for what Justin Reed, who I think is about to go get paid, I like the idea of bringing back Malik Collins out of any guy um, that you could potentially lose out here. But, but I think there are a lot of interesting questions, like the Desmond King one, I think it's fascinating because here's a guy who was playing out of position, right? And and did it admirably, all things considered. Like he wasn't great at it, but he was like considering like he is not an outside corner. Like he he, he was tough in there. Like he did his thing. Um and, and I and I think this this system kind of allows that, you know, provided that helped helped a lot with that. But like, do you bring him back to play out of position, given that you have Tavier Thomas now, who has shown that he can do what Desmond King would normally do on defense. Uh, so you do, do you just bring him back because he's got that special teams value and can play on the outside? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what exactly his value is or how they value him exactly. I, I, know, well, I know they love him. They love Desmond King. But would they bring him back? Is he a little – is there some positional redundancy there? And then, like, what does that do to the cornerback position? What is, like, now you have – you know, a very glaring need there. And I think you you, you have for a while uh, at outside corner. Um, like if if like if you're going Terrence Mitchell and uh, and, and Lonnie Johnson, um, you know, like and, and I'm intrigued by Lonnie. I'm, and that's not like disrespect. I'm just saying like you need you need to do something there. You know what I mean? Um, so uh, so I'm fascinated by that. But it, to answer your question, it would be Malik Collins if I had to pick one guy. Mm. You know, with free agency about to start start up in the next couple of weeks, 
You know, I, I, I find it kind of funny that we're sitting here talking about, you know, the possibility of Justin Reed coming back. You just mentioned um, Justin Britt, of course, Christian Kersey. Um, Brandon, does it seem like the Texans are a little bit more of a free agency destination now that they have Lovey Smith? And it seems like Nick Casario is actually going to take a step back and actually fulfill his role as general manager. Because remember... When free agency opened up last year, it seemed like the Texans were able to only sign the bottom of the barrel. But now, you know, with the guys that I just named, and Brandon, you could attest to this as well, when we were sitting there talking to Christian, when we were sitting there talking to Justin Britton and Justin Reed, and, you know, Reed posted like a farewell message to the to, to the city of Houston, what appeared to be a farewell message to the city of Houston during, in, in January, does it seem like the Texans are a little bit more of a free agency destination now? Yeah, it's hard to discount that if I acknowledge that, what I said earlier that Lovey Smith adds and brings credibility to the establishment. Like you, like you can't acknowledge that or uh, accept that. And then, and, and then not say that, you know, this is a, a more desirable place. Yeah. I think people like Lovey Smith, respect Lovey Smith. Want to like you saw, you saw the coaching staff, you hear from the players, like people want to coach with, work with, play for Lovey Smith. I think that's a. I think there's something there now, you know. Like, like how much is that reflective of, um, like, like with Nick Casario? Like you mentioned, Nick Casario taking a step back. I don't know if that was as much of an issue, as much as like the whole issue of what makes the Texans sort of undesirable is like, or or, or makes you question and what might make someone question him is like the, the leadership at the very very top, you know, and, and you know, and and that's I think that's still an open question like Cal McNair is someone who like up until now, like now is becoming, you know, now it was like four getting be four or five years, however many years now into this, since his father passed, like he's very young owner. Like I know he'd been around, but clearly, you know, in the beginning seemed like, you know, to, to some degree, uh, a deer in the headlights in terms of like just leadership, you know? Um, and, and I think that that's always been the question. Like, you know, does does the highest level of management know what it's doing? You know, Nick Casario coming in, even though like you can question some of those things that happened there, you know, in that first year hiring David Cully, like what was going on there? But like I think Nick Casario has some built-in credibility around the league. And, and, and certainly then you add Lovey Smith now, that just takes it to a whole nother level. So so yeah, no, I I think that I think that this helps. Uh money helps, you know, and, and the Texans have a cap situation uh, and, and uh, you know, are still in a money situation that that's not necessarily ideal. It's better than it was before, but like that, that helps, you know, like why did, why did Tyrod Taylor come and play here last year? Cause they paid him $5 million or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so yeah, like, yeah, I, I think, I think, I think that it, it was a little overplayed on how like, I don't think it was a, a high level destination, but you could throw money at guys and, and, and still get guys. I think now that you just have some credibility, it helps it helps you a lot and goes a long way. So um and, and, and that was the thing to be concerned about, right? When they were looking for a head coach, like Josh McCown has credibility and respect around the league, but how would that have changed if he had been able to skip the line to become the head coach? You know what I mean? 
And then let's take Josh McCown out of it because that's the more inflammatory example. But like, does Lovey does does Jonathan Gannon come in with the same credibility as Lovey Smith? Like, does he? Do people want to play for Jonathan Gannon the same way they do Lovey Smith? You know, I think that's a question worth asking. Like, do they want to play for Brian Flores as much as they want to play for Lovey Smith? You know, going kind of going into the narrative of if if the Texans like let their way into this, so like kind of found themselves into a happy accident kind of whatever it is exactly that led them to this decision like like yeah like i think that there's something to that and uh you know texas fans can be happy about it brandon k scott johnson sports guy hickman cody davis before we get out of here brandon let everybody know where they can find all of your amazing work like the b block a b block podcast um on spotify let them, let them know where they can find you everywhere on social yeah. media yeah, so I do the B Block podcast weekly. Not doing it this week, but I'll be back on it next week. So y'all can uh, check that out. The B Block podcast. That's wherever you get your podcast: Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, any of that. And then just follow me at Brandon K Scott on Twitter because uh, you know once it drops, I'm tweeting out the links. You can kind of just follow whatever I'm doing, whether that's the B Block podcast, SportsRadio610.com. Uh, on the air, filling in on shows. I think I'm on again. Mm. What am I? What am I hosting again? Uh, March 14th, I think I'm going to be on In the Loop with Landry, uh, mm. filling in for Lopez. I've been doing some work uh, with all the shows, uh, Landry, Clint, Ron, uh, Payne and Pendergast. So, uh, and, and, I, and we got some more stuff in the works, too. Uh, some, some some changes are coming. So, uh, so, so, <laughs> so, so does so that, that mean y'all show pretty soon? <laughs> Nah, not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. Not necessarily. But 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 it does mean some changes, uh, and and, and mm-hmm. we'll just we'll let that be an official tease. Uh, so 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 yeah, we'll just we'll just go with that. Yeah yeah. Awesome man. And by the way, everybody, please be sure to check out the latest installment of the B Bob of the B Block podcast as B Scott by Adam Spolane, correct? As they talked about the Houston Texans, Davis Mills, and of course. The Houston Rockets young guys. That's a lot of young potential here in the city of Houston. But, my God, I just hope they hurry up and get back to being good again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Me and Spo, we did kind of a first-half synopsis, uh, What just what we had, just kind of did a, an evaluation of, of how the season had gone so far because, you know, it, it's so much about the young guys, you know, not so much about winning and losing. We knew they were going to lose mm-hmm. a lot. But, but we wanted to really kind of dive into what we've seen from the development of, you know, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. What is what is why is Christian Wood on the team exactly? What is his uh, what is his use? Which is a complicated question because he is objectively, uh, arguably their, uh, um, you know, their best offensive player. So like we got a lot going on there. So yeah, 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 y'all, y'all check that out. <laughs> Awesome, man. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12. And until we get back to y'all on Monday, hey, it's the rodeo. You know what that means? Hmm. Bad traffic. We'll see y'all again coming up next week. (laughs)